Hi, I'm Daniel Patterson, and you're listening to Gut Talks. Double G, U, double T. So you came up with this running master plan during the pandemic, I guess, because you wanted to find a way for, you know, young entrepreneurs or new businesses to set themselves up really and be ready for, you know, the wildness out there without getting burned before they even start. They're especially for new businesses who don't have lots of money to spend. They don't have, you know, time to waste and so on. So I really like the way you put it together. And I like the reason behind the branding master plan is instead of having a brand strategy being done to you that would probably cost more because it will require more effort and people in person. You can do it for yourself at least to get started and this will help you to grow. And if you need more, then you know you expand on what you have because you would have a solid yeah. foundation anyway, if you yeah. want to. The way you're saying it, and I've seen it, right? I was where well, I tested it, right? Before and you were the early day <laughs> guinea pigs of this. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you have anything to say to add this. I just wanted to comment on it. Yeah. There's a couple of things there, which was really interesting. There is a mindset thing with brands versus businesses. My view is that not all brands are businesses, yeah. but all businesses are brands. Totally, yeah. You know, and whether you're conscious of it or not, if you have a business, you have a brand. It goes back to what we were saying earlier. If you don't consciously shape your brand, your customers will do it for you. Your clients will do it for you. Your staff will do it for you. And really, I mean, this what we're coming down to here is what is the definition of a brand? And different people will have different understandings of that. But that's okay. If you want to use the word business, that's fine. Organization, that's fine. By brand, what we're saying really is, you know, a memorable institution of some kind or organization that customers react with and interact with. I um, also like what yeah. Martin Neumeier say, says about the brands. It's like what they say, like your reputation. Is it's it? Absolutely. It's your reputation. It's your gut feeling about a business yeah. is the brand. Really, Martin Neumeier would tell you that the brand doesn't belong to the business. It belongs to the client, to the customer or the people who see the business. So branding is it's definitely one of those floaty terminologies that can be, it's hard to define and that's okay. But at the very basic underlying of all of this is that we want to create businesses that are memorable and that work really well. And absolutely, I mean, we just talked about creating the branding master plan during COVID, during the pandemic. And But actually the branding master plan is, it comes in a few different formats. And one of those, as you've already mentioned, is a do-it-yourself framework that you can follow. There are videos, there's digital platform, etc that you can go through and it guides you through that process. But actually the framework of the branding master plan started maybe 10 years before that by working with clients one-to-one and building and developing brand strategies. And our approach at Highly has always been to come alongside the business to work that from the inside out rather than an external force coming in telling you how you should operate. Because really what we want to do is better present who we are to the world, find a way to connect on a much better level with people that we're trying to target and operate ultimately, we want to increase your market share. Ultimately, we want to decrease your marketing costs as well. But that process, as far as I'm aware, Maria, up to this point has been exclusively available only to businesses with deep pockets and with a lot of money. You know, we've been discussing that it's certainly not out of the realm for a middle-sized, medium-sized business to invest, you know, five figures into bringing a consultancy in, you know, similar to Hailey and lots of individuals as well, a brand strategist. 
to come in and develop a brand strategy. I mean, what chance does a small business have, you know, to get that sort of level of care and information? They don't have five figures quite often to do that. You know, with Brexit, that was looming at time. And then the pandemic came straight in off the back of that as well. That was time for us to regroup highly and decide, right, okay, we're going to do this thing. We're going to take our process, which, you know, we charge four and five figures for as well to work on a one-to-one basis with businesses. And we were going to create a, a version of that that became accessible to people who were going to potentially be losing their jobs or yeah. businesses that absolutely had to adapt. And it, it certainly wasn't a money-making enterprise for us. I was saying like, I mean, I was in this position you know, 15 years ago and I wish I had had something like this when I was starting my business to guide me along to building my own business. And, and so we wanted to make that accessible. And we're doing it within three figures, yeah. you know. So from five figures to three figures is much more accessible. Yeah. And I really wish that we'd had this sort of process in place. And I don't know anyone else who's offering anything quite like it, you know, because it's yeah. essentially giving away all our five-figure secrets within it. You are, and I can outro that. And obviously, we both have a background in design. I mean, you studied architecture. I studied interior architecture and product design and then service design. There's a lot of overlaps in what we do, especially when you talk about the strategy side of things. But there are lots of nuances that do make a big difference here. But, you know, the focus sometimes is more like I focus more on the product and the service aspect. You focus on the brand. But the interesting thing is I was talking to a friend who's in the investment world, like wealth management, and even lots of the things he was talking about. I was like, wait a second, we just say the same thing, like even in design, in the process. And it's just a mindset thing. And going back to brand strategy, product strategy, mm. all of those buzzwords today, sure. this comes, even though you said you started like 15 years ago, me too, we're roughly the same age anyway. So not giving ages away here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's fine. But you know, if you want your confidence that you were talking about before comes with time, which is nothing, you know, specific or, you know, not a surprise, but it comes, even the way you talk about things comes across as very confident because of the years of experience you built and the projects you worked on and the people you worked with and everything else. The word brand strategy and the others have been commercialized to a point of, not going to say no return, but it's been a bit extreme. And how do you work around this? Because I'll give you an example. I personally, I don't know, I think you would agree. Maybe let me know. But someone who's just finishing university or, you know, no university because it's also a pathway, especially today. I mean, being promoted in that sense. So it doesn't matter, but just taking a few courses or learning about design and becoming a brand strategist, because there's also a difference between brand strategy or product strategy or strategy and being strategic in your approach. This is quite different. But how do you navigate all this when it's been commercialized to the point of, you know, you have this experience, you can back it and support a business. I'm going to call it a business for now, right? Okay. Grow, like get to a certain point so they can then, you know, take it from there. So my question is towards, yes, brand strategy, product strategy, design thinker, whatever, you name it. It can be any field, field really, it doesn't matter. But also being respected in your field without having to do this constant effort of saying like, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm doing it. I think all of these things come into the pattern that I've already mentioned when we apply it to our, our business could be exactly the same when we apply it to our own personal approach to these things is being distinctive first and foremost. Now, distinctive doesn't necessarily mean different, but it can mean being really clear with a single message. Mm-hmm. This so communicating and introducing myself as branding Dan, for example, lays the foundation immediately that you know the space that I'm in and how I might be able to help you. Yeah, um, I needed, I felt like I need to take an approach 
like that because my space was saturated. Okay, that's why you chose branding then. And also I couldn't get my own name on <laughs> social media. <laughs> okay. So apparently my name is overused as well. But, you know, there are some celebrities with the same name in, in the States, I think, in the media space. But, but anyway, so the first part is being distinctive. And it doesn't necessarily mean you need to take on a colorful persona and a different name and change name at all. But being known and getting known for one thing is helpful. And we can do that in our businesses as well. Identifying what one thing do we want to be known for? Because it's a route for people to remember you. It's easier. But it's also an easy route for those people to tell other people what you do and what you're about. So in my network spaces, I want to be known for branding. Yeah. Very simple. The simplest single word concept that I come up with was branding. Now, branding is a big topic, really. But, you know, if people come on a journey with me or with Hailey, you'll find out very quickly we do a lot more than branding. We will help solve a lot of pains and struggles that you might have or, or dress things up, you know, in a design space. Or we might even take a deep dive into your own company culture. Or there's a lot there, but making it easy for people to identify you or your business within like a single word or two words, it just helps equip people to, it just gives them, you're giving them the tools to tell other people and make it really easy for other people. The first part is being distinctive. We talked about being emotionally compelling and knowing that's how humans operate. You know, we base our decisions first and foremost on, on emotions and then we justify it and rationalize it later on. And the more that we get to know about how humans operate, we can take that sense of not being manipulative. That's really important that we're not. We stay authentic through that. But understanding that we're working with people and, you know, I'm building relationship with people is so important. And that will transcend even how much we're charging or how many offerings we have on our table. It's people that we learn to build and trust um, in that relationship. And that's what's going to help us win in our own spaces. And then the last point, which is we mentioned earlier on again, is building authority in that space. So Maria, you're doing that right now by running a podcast and collaborating with you know credible people. That's one way of building credibility and building your own authority in your space. And we can apply that as individuals and we can apply that as businesses or as brands, all the same thing really in one in this conversation. So in the brand strategy space, yes, fine. We've got to show up. We've got to be bold. You know, we've got to be clear, not just about what we do, but actually how we can help your business specifically. And if, if I've got an offering and if I've started a conversation and my offering is adapted very specifically to your personal circumstances, well, then you're going to feel like listened to and you're going to feel importance and you're going to feel like you're not being sold to, but you're going to feel like there's somebody coming alongside to help solve your problems. So that's the emotional rapport. That conversation started because we were distinctively known in the branding space. And credibility comes perhaps when they do their research and look at, okay, who is this branding Dan, for example? Not necessarily how many followers do they have, but you know, can we talk to some of their previous clients? What was the experience like? So we look for ways to build trust with people. And if we can get that trifecta in place, you know, that's that's how we're going to well, that's how we're going to build our, you know, our business. And and certainly it's absolutely adaptable for any anyone listening as well to do that too. Yeah, the reason I was asking this because I think I'm just taking the approach of, you know, people who are building a brand or a business <laughs> or a brand that is a business. Sure. People who are in the branding space in general. And because 
the word has been inflated, but that's like pretty much anything really. I had this uh, conversation on a few other podcasts as well. And there is lots of experience that comes into play. And I still believe on the one-on-one, face-to-face approach. But weirdly enough, I also enjoyed the, you know, online approach that I learned how to, you know, work around during COVID. I built relationships. I mean, we've never met in person anyway, you and I. No, it felt like we have many times, Maria, but no, I don't think we have. I think the way I was looking at this, you know, the way I framed a question or a paragraph in that sense is more looking at younger designers who are just starting out and they want to sometimes burn the steps and are calling mm. themselves brand strategist or doing strategy. I, it's very tough with okay. lack of business knowledge. For sure. Yeah, to get yeah. there because yeah. there are so many moving pieces that we don't yeah. learn at university. Yeah. Do you know, it's interesting because if you were to consider the likes of the military, military strategists are some of the highest you know, levels of command, really. They're really high up and usually they're the guys with decades of experience mm-hmm. who have been on the battlefield, who have experienced and seen hundreds of approaches to various situations and they sit in the back room, uh, not physically, maybe not anymore, but they would sit in the back room while there's a battle going on, looking at what's going on, interpreting the specific situation locally, but on a grand scale as well, and adapting a very specific approach of command based on the hundreds of scenarios or thousands of scenarios that they've seen, experienced, read up on that are going to help them get to the best result. Yes, I wouldn't use the term strategist lightly because then you lose credibility very, very quickly. As you said, if you haven't got the business acumen, if you haven't had the experience, um, you know, it's not something to be taken lightly at all. But the proof is also in the pudding, is what I would often say. I mean, what is strategy in the first place? Really, what we're doing is we're planning, we are scoping, we are adapting a huge amount of resource to try and find and optimize the best possible way and most efficient way to reach our end goal with yeah. the least amount of casualties if you're looking at it from a military term if you're looking at it from a business term with the least amount of financial loss through that process in order to increase profits or in order to you know increase staff morale or whatever that goal might be it's a great example that we had with the clients we worked with we went through the workshop processes plan use that as a framework to uncover discover and maneuver you know our way through lots of conversations in order to develop a strategic approach for moving forward forward. And the company leadership of that particular business made some, together with us, you know, we made some very strategic changes to how we're going to operate, you know, the internal culture we were going to set for the first time in that business, who we were looking for, etc, etc. They brought that forward to their wider team and nearly half of their team handed in the resignation that day. And I had the leadership team come back to me in tears, saying we've lost half of our staff, we don't know what to do we don't know where to go and my response to that was one of celebration yeah which surprised them and maybe surprises you if you're listening thinking oh that's the most terrible thing that could have happened no it wasn't because that internal staff weren't going to align with how their team were strategically going to move forward they were going to hold that company back from moving forward in the the direction they wanted to move they didn't need provoked they weren't told um, people weren't told if you don't get on board with this you need to leave they basically presented saying this is who we are as a company, as a brand, as a business, this is where we're going. We're going to need your support and your full support to get on board with this. And those that felt like, no, 
they didn't agree with it, it didn't couldn't get on board with it, left. It was one of the best results that company could have had because now what it meant was they could go and recruit and build a team and they had a framework in place when they were looking for people that they could bring who could align with their values, align with the companies growing. And now essentially what they have is a business that's now four times stronger as a result. You know, but that doesn't come without a bit of experience, a bit of acumen, a bit of I mean a lot of experience really to strategically yeah. suggest those sorts of things. It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut. Gut talks. This is the end of this episode of this segment with Daniel Patterson. Thanks for listening and watch out for the next one.